Did you know that interior designers get up to 40% off all items at most major retailers? Do you wish you could have access to our full design discounts? 20% off at places like Pottery Barn, West Elm, 25% off at Restoration Hardware, 35% off at Joybird. Well, now you can. Affordable Interior Design is offering their designer discount shopping service. For $399, you get full access to our trade discounts for up to 25 unique items. No markups, no catch. Just head to affordableinteriordesign.com, go to the plans and pricing page, and you will see our designer discount shopping service. Click there, submit your shopping list online, and let us take care of the rest. On average, our clients save over $1,200 using this service. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com to check out our full list of discounts and more. You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. So Paulina and I were just at my office, my storefront, hanging out here on Main Street, talking about the academy and preparing. And we just started talking about the realities of being an interior designer and how as I've been having these calls with people who are prospective students of the academy, there's been a lot of misunderstandings about what a designer really does, what it means to work at a firm, what you need. And so Paulina and I were just like chitty chatting and I was like, Paulina, this stuff is gold. Like there's stuff I didn't even know. So let's record (laughs) our conversation. So anyway, Paulina, welcome. This is Paulina Dupain. She is one of the designers at Affordable Interior Design. She's been with us for nearly four years, but also she's the co-teacher at Affordable Interior Design Academy. Not only has she been to design school, she actually went to architecture school as well. She's worked for architects. She's worked for stone sources. She's worked in all levels of this field and really has a lot of good background information. So, Paulina, let's get into it. Let's just keep (laughs) chit-chatting. Thanks for having me, Betsy. (laughs) Yeah, we were just, we were just talking about the design school and, and those questions and we, we just decided it's, it's really fuzzy. It's a really fuzzy topic. Because, you know, when I tell people during the calls, that nobody ever asked me if I've been to interior yeah. design school. Nobody even asked me if I graduated college, frankly. <laughs> and I mean, I did graduate college and I spent a lot of money to go there. I sometimes wish people would just ask, you know, what was your GPA? Because I didn't actually need to study that hard. <laughs> um, and I didn't know. And so I was telling her, because I handle the bookings along with Brandy, that when people call and ask to hire us, nobody asks if we've been to interior design school. Three of my designers have, I'm sorry, three of mine haven't, five of my designers have, and nobody ever asked, can I have the one who's been to school? And we're totally transparent in our bios on the website, so it's very clear, but nobody wonders. And then Paulina was saying. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I actually have this feeling that, yes, why did I spend so much money on school? <laughs> I'm joking, I did actually learn a lot, but but um, even when you go and apply for you know, a job in a firm. I mean, you do have your resume that says where you went to school, but nobody really asks you. Nobody says, hey, what 
what degree do you have? Like, where did you go to school? Uh, how many years have you completed? Did you even complete your school? Like, can I see your diploma? Like, nobody ever asks those questions. It's really funny. Well, and really, I think they're just trying, you know, they're going to teach you their methods anyway. Yeah. They're going to teach you their way yeah. of working, which is why we started the academy. I'm going to teach you how to work my way, no matter what way you have before, because it's not homogenous. Like, everybody's teaching different things in different ways. I can't be sure you have the knowledge I need you to have. So I'm going to have to teach you that. And you're going to have to work with the software I use. And I'll probably have to teach you if you didn't learn it in school. So I think that's kind of where people are at even in firms, like knowing that you may not have the same foundation of knowledge they have, and they'll have to teach you on the job. Yeah, but it also depends where you where you want to work, right? Like what kind of what kind of designer you want to be? Do you want to just place furniture, pick fabrics, put pillows, or do you actually want to move the walls and put plumbing in and determine where your toilet and sink and all the stuff in the kitchen is going? Um, that's a little bit more involved. That's where you really need that schooling, when you need that knowledge of, um, you know, AutoCAD and Revit, which are predominant programs in most architectural firms. You really need that knowledge. And, and then when you go working for those firms, they will ask you, do you know AutoCAD? Do you know Revit? And and you have to know them because, you know, the, the truth is most architects are are a little bit older. So when you graduate from school and you go and work for them, you're the CAD person. You the drafter, right? You sit there nine to five in front of the exciting AutoCAD program, which is black screen with colorful lines. And, and that's what you do. And then, you know, they sometimes they don't even know how to work those programs. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. So you graduated from school, you have that fresh knowledge, you're gonna be a drafter. Um, there's, you're not gonna be so involved in picking the fabrics and you know fixtures and the finishes for the stays uh, until you've been working with the firm for a while. And something that I thought was so interesting that you said as we were just chatting before we decided, oh my gosh, we should record this. <laughs> Is that, you know, people outsource this stuff. Yeah. So people will subcontract it to the place they're buying the cabinets to have the kitchen designer do it. Or they'll subcontract the drafting to somebody who only does drafting so that they don't have to have somebody on staff, right? So it's so funny that she said that because that's the same thing we advocate for here. You know, certainly we could kitchen plan, we could learn that, but it's gonna come free with your cabinets. And every one of those kitchen places uses a different line of cabinets. So even if you did do your own drawings, even if you did do your own plans, they're gonna have to do theirs. Same with mill workers. You know, they're not gonna trust our drawings and our measurements when it's their work on the line. They're gonna come in and make their own drawings and take their own measurements. So outsourcing is key because they're gonna do it anyway. So these are all important things to know and it really takes the onus off of us because even at a large firm, they yeah. might be you know, relying on other experts. I remember when I worked for Tom Felicia, we would often go to Waterworks, a super pricey fixture place, and we would rely on their knowledge because they know all about the latest things coming out. So we'd say, what would you recommend for this space? Look at these pictures. You know, we were really using them as a design partner rather yeah. than taking over because there's so many innovations constantly happening and in these those fields. those people are pros in their fields. I mean, you are a pro too, but but they that's what they do 24-7. That's their job, right? Like I can tell you where, where I want my sink. I want my sink to be under the window or I want my fridge to be in a certain spot. But 
I will still give a drawing to a person who is a specialist in those kitchens, right? And they're going to tell me, okay, I can put a 24, 36 inch cabinet here and there. You tell me what you need and I'm going to build it for you. So, and, and I also see it a lot with like smaller firms, with even designers who don't work for, um, for larger architectural firms or big designers that they outsource everything. I'm actually, I was shocked uh, how much people outsource. Like, I don't know, I'm the type of person that just tries to do everything on their own, you know? And I think I think it's smart. I think it's smart. But I, I also wonder, like, how, how much sometimes is, how much work is actually of that person and how much work is outsourced. Sometimes that makes me wonder, you know? Because I see people outsourcing everything from drawings to renderings to even, like, picking of furniture. So I'm like, what did you do here as a designer? <laughs> well, and I, you know, I really love doing that too. Like I'll meet my clients at a tile store, but I'll make sure to call ahead and have one of their employees work with us. So I'll be giving my design opinion as we work, but they'll be providing the options based on the specs, right? So they'll say these five tiles would be ideal on this type of bathroom floor. And then I'll help further guide the client and say, you know what, I think we should stay in the grays because that's what's featured in XYZ, right? Or that's how we can tie together the kitchen and make all the architectural finishes feel somewhat cohesive. So it's just nice to not have to know everything, especially in a landscape where everything's always changing and there's all these cool innovations. And I even tell my client when we get there, I'm not the expert here. We are going to rely on their expertise and I'm going to give my design expertise aesthetically and together we'll merge and come up with an amazing mm -hmm. plan. Yeah. But I never go to these places without a rep. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know your own basics, right? You know, you know some design rules. Like if you go pick up a tile with your client, you're obviously not going to recommend them penny tiles for the floor in the bathroom, right? They should go under the in the shower, but... You never want that penny tile all over the floor in the bathroom. That's just going to get gross, right? So much grout. Ugh. So so you need to know that stuff, right? Like that's where your exper expertise comes in. But when it comes to, like Betsy said, durability of certain tiles, right? The maybe even trends of 2019, right? The, those people know they get their catalogs. They know what's in. They know what's the best quality right so always i always rely on them too yeah and i think there's definitely a place for interior design school some people need that diploma for mm -hmm. confidence but i will tell you even the people who've been to design school and come out with that diploma cannot work with clients with confidence oftentimes you know it's really an innate skill set that a diploma won't just give you you have to find that confidence either in a framework or in a package that you can offer so the client has clear expectations and you can walk in and bust that out. Mm -hmm. Or in a system that you're using like, you know, at Affordable Interior Design, we have like a one through 10 step system. From the minute we walk in to the minute we leave, we know exactly what to do. So that framework is what gives us confidence, not any diploma or previous work in other apartments. It's following the step-by-step -step process. And it gives our client such ease Mm-hmm. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, 
There is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. You know, I've been talking to people on the phone and they've been like, Betsy, I feel like I need a certification for confidence. And I will tell you right now, and Paulina can attest to this, you know, how many designers have we trained? I personally have probably trained 15 with this system. And Paulina, maybe you've trained seven with me? Yeah, probably seven. And confidence is not something you get with a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Confidence is something you have to bring to the table with managed expectations and a mm-hmm. plan. And you, and you do have to be confident as a designer. You know, you, 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 you're, those people have to trust you. You have to gain their trust. And, and quite often you have an hour, couple hours to do so. So if you're not comfortable in your own choices, it's going to be very hard for your client to be comfortable with you and trust in you. Um, and also think about what you want to do. Like, do you want to work for a big firm? Do you want to work for a small firm? Do you want to work for yourself, right? Like, when I was in school, most of my classmates were like, oh, I want to work for Gensler. I'm going to go and work for Gensler. Like, I don't want to work for Gensler. I'm going to be a cat person for the three years of my life. And then hopefully I'll move up the ladder and be somebody who also picks styles. But it's it's... You know, working for a big firm is something that a lot of people want to do, uh, but it's not for everybody. If you want to work for Gensler, yes, go ahead, go to Pratt, get your degree. I have a question about Spend that. Spend hundred twenty thousand. I have a question. So, have you checked in with them again? Like, what are they doing now? Your friends who worked at design firms. Uh, so they some of them have their own companies. Mm-hmm. Some of them work for. It's it's funny. It's really funny. A lot of everybody does something else. It's really funny. Because there's a lot of things you can do after interior design school. You don't even have to work in interior design, really. You could do stage. You can do stage setting, right? I have a lot of people who went into different majors, and um, I have people who studied. They build furniture, so they design mm-hmm. and build furniture, which is something that you could do after interior design school. I have some people who build sets, like sets, oh. you know, for theaters and sometimes commercials. You could work for Bloomingdale's or Macy's and do their displays. Yeah. Like yeah. furniture displays. Yeah. So there's a lot of jobs you can actually do. But for stuff like that, do you really need a degree? Well, and you know, I was just thinking, because I've never actually thought about this question for myself until I just asked you, but like, what are the people who interned with me doing right now? And each one of them, so there were three interns at the time that I worked there. Each one of them has their own firm now. Wow. Even though they, some of them went on to work for high-end designers, but each one of them has branched off and opened their own firm. And it's because you don't get to make creative decisions and you get into this work because you want to make creative decisions and you want to be able to have yeah. the say, like, I choose the color, yeah. I choose the table. And when you're working for a high-end firm or a firm at all, 
it takes a long time to work your way up the ladder so oh, that yeah. you're making choices. And it's funny to think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So we all of us made, made our own firms, but the key with me wasn't to have a firm. It was to have design choices and fresh clients and fresh projects and not get locked into a project for two years, not get locked behind a computer. And that's been really freeing and stimulating. And I must say, you know, I've been doing this for 14 years. It's still not old. Like I worked with two clients yesterday. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a problem for many designers because you do go to because you do go into the interior design field or interior design school because originally you are a creative person, right? You are either an artist that, you know, couldn't afford to live as an artist or uh, or you just, you are a creative person. So being a creative person, you go into interior design thinking you're going to be creative and you're going to be making all of these decisions. But then you go to school, you graduate and you go working for firm and then you work for two years on one project. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, gets boring yeah it gets boring and that's surprising it surprised me how boring it was yeah me too (laughs) like and i love construction like i love construction like i could be on construction every day like like i just love it but but it's boring like ah we've been working on this project for two years you know the styles change in two years yes i found that too (laughs) like we were designing a custom dollhouse for a kid oh gosh and by the time it was ready I mean, is this girl still into dolls three years later? <laughs> like, I don't know. This seems like a big outlay of money. 13 and 15, big difference. Yeah, right? Right? My daughter's like into LOL dolls one day and totally moved on to Pokemon oh the next. So I can't imagine constructing, you know, this thousands of dollars worth of dollhouse. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it was surprising to me. And a real education. But speaking of education, oh, and I was shocked that you said $120,000 for your design school. Well, it's anywhere from like, I think 40 to 70 a year. Wow. So if you're going for a four-year program, 60 times four, 240. That was shocking to me, actually. I think practice 60. A year? Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> well, guys, I hope you have had a little interior design reality check. I know I have. Yeah. Paulina, we should chitty chat more often. (laughs) Keep that microphone going. (laughs) Just keep it hot. Yeah. Well, guys, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Of course. It was so much fun. (laughs) Come back anytime. And until next week, guys, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.